0: Sharing cyber threat and cyber crime information is an Obama administration priority, but many obstacles remain in getting the government, including law enforcement and business, to cooperate. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, speaking from the ISMG Fraud Summit. And to discuss the need for public-private collaboration to battle cyber crime and cyber fraud is one of the presenters of the summit, Erez Lieberman. Deputy Chief of the Colonel Division at the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of New Jersey. Welcome, Harris. Thank you. Where are the inhibitors? of getting the government, including law enforcement and business to share information about cyber threats and cyber crime.
1: The business side, I think there are some fears of what we're going to do with that information and how it could harm the businesses. The government side, there's some limitations, historic limitations on the way in which information sharing went. Today, I think we're making large strides. Businesses are aware that they can share with us and trust that it doesn't go to the wrong people and doesn't go to the competitors, whereas the government is learning
0: that if we don't share back, it's really going to hamper the investigations, both by the government government and by the businesses. What can the government and law enforcement do better in getting businesses to cooperate? The first thing that I think for both sides is to know each other. If we have more
1: outreach like I do when I give presentations and give interviews and more outreach when companies come to us, then we can develop these trust relationships which will be much stronger should an incident occur. And that's happening more and more and I would encourage companies to do it even more Today, before an incident occurs, start sharing, start meeting the investigators and the prosecutors
0: in your area, and then when something occurs, that relationship will already be there. Who are the people in the corporations who should be contacting you? In a pre- the presentation you made, it sounded like sometimes the lawyers, which would be the logical people who may be in contact with law enforcement or sometimes the inhibitors.
1: You know, often I think there are fears among the lawyers. As I said, we're risk averse uh, as a legal profession. But I think that lawyers are more and more learning how to cooperate. Uh, more businesses are starting actually a cybersecurity in-house counsel. And I think those individuals are really doing a good job of interacting with the information security officer on the one hand, and with the regulators and with the prosecutors on the other hand. So that's one point. And then the other point is certainly the information security officers, the investigators should be touching base
0: with the investigative agencies. When you look at an organization that's doing it right, how are they set up in dealing with law enforcement?
1: Uh, Organizations who are doing it right often have uh, investigators who deal with the law enforcement in that community, and they have the lawyers, the in-house counsel, who know the community, who know the lawyers in the field, who know how to interact, and they're doing active outreach. So that relationship exists on a constant basis that they're working together, and they really
0: know each other and feel comfortable together. And when you talk about they're doing outreach, what is the environment they're doing the outreach?
1: Literally, pick up the phone and call the prosecutors in the area, the U.S. Attorney's Office, call the FBI, and learn who they are. You'd be surprised at how willing we are on the government side of talking uh, without any case going on, without any investigation going on, because we know that this partnership is so critical for our success in our investigations and our uh, nation's defense. And
0: so they're doing the outreach even in that capacity. One of the concerns I think you raised in your presentation that that organizations have, and maybe you could address that, is one is that they're fearful that protective information will be exposed, that there'll be perhaps a protective order to limit discovery material, as well as withholding victims' names. How are your processes changing to assure them that those areas are protected? It used to be we wouldn't do that. We kind of gave the back
1: of the hand to those issues, or it gave very little information to that. And judges wouldn't always support that. More and more today, we are giving very, very restrictive protective orders. We're asking defense counsel to sign them, and when the defense counsel balks, the judges are backing us up and saying, you're not going to get this information if he's going to re-victimize a victim. And people understand and judges understand the importance of not re-victimizing a victim, including large corporations, which we don't normally think of as the victims
0: in the criminal justice system. The kind of cases you deal with, uh, uh, is there a characteristic of the types of organizations that are cooperative? Characteristic is they call us
1: the moment an incident occurs, and they work with us from the beginning. And they are looking for the way to work with us as opposed to pulling teeth to work with them. And those are the differences. The cooperative ones want to share, they want to work together, and they will make that happen. Even if there are some roadblocks that we understand
0: and will work with them. Others, everything I want will be like pulling teeth. How much does top corporate leadership play into a cooperation of an organization.
1: Since I'm not there, I can't speak precisely to that. But with companies in which I am aware of how that works, when the attitude of corporate leadership is an attitude of cooperation and of doing the right thing, it sends that message right down the chain and it makes it very easy. And when it's different, we hear from the investigators and from counsel that they can't really do it because that won't be viewed favorably, and it
0: really hampers our ability to work with them. What inhibits from the government perspective of more information sharing? Are they security clearances, the way the law is set up? Mostly, it's security clearances when it, we're dealing with those cases. Not all cases have the security issue. And then
1: just an historic method by which we received information and didn't give back. It's not traditionally the case in which we work with corporations as victims as opposed to corporations as defendants. And that scenario, which really exists mostly in the c- cybersecurity field, unlike, for example, in the mortgage field or in the healthcare field, where it's often very different, right? The corporations are defendants or targets. So that scenario. Rec- requires a changing
0: of the way we think of each other and the way we treat each other. Is there anything in the law itself that makes it more difficult?
1: There are some restrictions on what we can do with personally identifiable information, with some data that we receive from other corporations, so there are some restrictions on that, but I'm not sure that the legal issue is really the problem. It's more of a mindset and the historic way we all
0: did business with respect to the non-national security matters. It's really just
1: figuring out better ways to work
0: together. What are you doing differently today than, say, two, three years ago in getting more cooperation?
1: Companies are realizing this, so the word is being spread. Companies, I think, are realizing that there is an issue with respect to working it alone, and it's not working, and so they have to do it with us. And on the other hand, we are sending the message that we want to cooperate. We started this NISCIS program, the National Security Cyber Specialist Program, to work together, and we're doing as much outreach and as much discussions with companies as we can do in order to facilitate this process. Tell me a little bit more about this uh, cyber specialist program. So the Cyber Specialist Program started about a year ago, and we started by the concept of the cyber threats are evolving from a hacker who sits in his parents' basement and wants to hack for fun, of course that became for profit, then maybe terrorist organizations did it for profit, and now we're seeing nation states involved. And because of the advent of nation states being involved in this, it's our job to respond. We've responded by bringing in the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's offices and the Department of Justice to work together on what it is that we can do on hackers and the nation states' hackers. To do that, we have said, we're not just going to gather intelligence anymore, we're actually going to contemplate investigations and prosecutions. And that's a new mindset
0: for these kinds of cases. Is there any way to quantify this improved cooperation that you're seeing in the sense of number of cases being brought, convictions? On the national security front,
1: there actually isn't, uh, because on the national security front, it's more difficult to bring the actual case. We'd have to bring out some national security information, and those are things, processes that are in play today. The regular hacking front, yes, we've seen more and larger cases being brought over the last few years. We've also seen more individuals being arrested overseas through our cooperation with both companies and overseas law enforcement. Any final thoughts? We have to keep working together, both the government agencies among ourselves and with the private enterprise. And importantly, private enterprise needs to continue to come to the table and to work with us.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I've been speaking with Erez Lieberman, Deputy Chief of the Criminal Division in the District of New Jersey at the United States Attorney's Office for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.